Hi, I'm Juan Galloway. And I'm Mambo Galloway. Welcome to the Sweet Life of Missionary Partnership. This is a limited edition podcast, a special training for missionaries like us, like you, and those who maybe want to be missionaries. We're going to address on this podcast one of the biggest issues having to do with missions, which is personal fundraising. Uh, but we prefer to call it building a partnership team. Yes, definitely. For some people, um, I find the word fundraising is kind of a dirty word. It's like yeah, it's fundraising. Like, <laughs> um, it can make you feel like you have to beg or twist people's arms, yeah. and that is not the case. So we prefer to use the term building a partnership team because that really better describes God's heart and God's plan laid out in the Bible for funding his workers. Yeah, and, and you and I have trained hundreds of missionaries around the world yeah. on how to build partnership teams. So now we're putting it in a podcast format, and it's not just us. We're actually going to have friends from Africa speaking, South America, Europe, Asia, and they're going to tell their story of how they became fully funded so they could do their job of bringing the gospel to the nations and making disciples. Yeah, so good. I'm so glad we have so many voices speaking into this. You know, although we're teaching as Americans. Sorry. Uh, sorry. We are who we are. No, we love America, but um, we really are an international organization at Youth with a Mission who we work with. And it's important to know that a biblical partnership team works in every culture. Um, we found in uh, a common challenge, honestly, with missionaries everywhere. Um, and the common problem we find globally is they are underfunded. Whoa, wah, wah. So true. What a bummer. And actually, a study was done about this, and it showed half of all missionaries quit missions within the first 10 years. Crazy. So bad. So sad. And, and one of those reasons, one of the main reasons is lack of funding. Uh, it's a tragedy that people would give up on God's call in their life because of something like money. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, like letting money decide your calling. Crazy. But um, for many, this is because they don't have good training mm -hmm. or they falsely believe that all they should do is just pray. Um, you know, we have a lot of great information to share that we think will be tremendously enlightening and life-changing. Yeah, and, you know, we are with Youth with a Mission, but there's maybe people listening from other streams of missions, right? This is all for you. We're all on the same team. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, maybe you've already tried to build a partnership team in the past, and it didn't go well. Yeah, I know how emotionally daunting this might be for you to kind of get back up on that horse. But cheer up, because we're here to help. Totally we are. You know, we have been missionaries for over 20 years and still put time into our partnership team every week, actually. So we'll be sharing from our own experience. Um, also, we'll be quoting from some of the best missionary trainers because we don't know it all. We've yeah. got a resource, you know, some of the best people in this area, and we're going to be giving you information from them, their books, um, their information, and recommending their training to you. Um, and these are people from around the world. So here's what we're going to cover in this podcast series. It's going to be a bunch of episodes. The first part's going to be getting the right attitude. It's all about our mindset. So crucial. Number two, we're going to talk about the biblical case for missionary partnership. We're not making this up, okay? This is we're gonna we're gonna found everything in the Word of God. And lastly, we're going to give you the practical steps to building and maintaining your partnership team. Now, stop. I know what you just thought. You thought, practical steps? I'm going to click, click, click to the end and listen. I know that that's going to be tempting for you to jump to the end, to get right to the practical uh, steps. Uh, but please let me caution you. As someone who's been doing this training for a long time now, we found, actually, that if you don't have the right attitude, which is the first section, or the biblical foundation, which is the second section, your efforts will be less successful, causing you to want to give up. So don't skip. Try to do the whole thing. Yes. Um, and the truth is there are uh, cultural stigmas around money and fundraising that do shut people down and keep them per from pursuing God's call. So walk with us through this journey, okay? And invest the time to really digest all of this training. It can not only impact your life, 
It could impact your spouse's life. If you're married. Right. If you have one, it could affect your children's lives. If you have kids. Or or in the future when you do. But also, here's the crucial thing. It's going to affect all the many people that you're going to reach in your missionary work with the love of Jesus. They need you to get a hold of this training so that you have everything you need to achieve your mission. Can I also add that it's not just for you who's listening, but if you lead teams... If you're able to do this well, yeah. then you can train your teams to do it well, and you'll have way less staff missionary turnover. Yeah. Healthy leaders multiply themselves. Right. So good. Yeah. So, but first, we're going to tell you a little bit about us. Yeah. Maybe you'll care about what we have to say if you think we're legit or something. <laughs> um, we have been in ministry and missions for 35 years. Um, we're full-time missionaries with Youth of the Mission, which we said our home base is Our campus is University of the Nations in Kona on the big island of Hawaii. Though not there very often, we're usually traveling around the world doing trainings on this and many other topics of healthy leadership. Yeah. So uh, I am originally from Oklahoma. My family became believers when I was 10 years old, and they were not living for the Lord before then. But uh, by the time I was 11, they sold their lucrative business and we moved into the Caribbean to be missionaries. And I lived in St. Thomas, Tortola, Puerto Rico, and we did all kinds of amazing ministry together. Evangelism, they started a church, pioneered the first Christian television station in Puerto Rico. But eventually we moved back to the States, the US of A, and settled in Dallas, Texas. Yes, and you were there when I showed up at youth group. Yeah, and you're cute. I wasn't too bad looking. I was pretty young, though. I was only 13. Okay, I was 15. It wasn't creepy. (laughs) And when I walked in, you saw me, and you said, I'm going to ask her out. And so you did. And so we have been together. We lived happily ever after. (laughs) We're still together now, man. 30 years later. 30 years later. 30 years marriage later. Yeah. But I think even longer, include our teen years. Yeah. Um, our first date actually was a morning prayer meeting. Yeah. Sounds crazy, but our church was a mega church, and there were like six to 800 people showing up for this morning prayer meeting at 5 a.m., and you showed up at my door with flowers, and uh, my mom answered the door at 5, 4.30 a.m., 5 a.m. Like <laughs> She uh, had no idea this is happening. What's going on? There's a boy saying you have flowers at 4.30 in the morning. He's like, I'm here to take your daughter to morning prayer. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that was our first date. Crazy. So good. Um, and then I worked at, there was a TV show called The 700 Club that was kind of global. And I worked there I, on the prayer line. So if you called in for prayer, I'd pray for you or send you a Christian book. As a teenager, you were on the phone. Yeah. On calls. I was. Awesome. I was. And then I, there was a worldwide Christian TV show that was part of our mega church uh, that was global. And I used to answer, and you did too. We both answered the phone. Yeah, we prayed for people. Prayed for people as teenagers. Such a good job. In the world. I know you get paid to pray. <laughs> Not too shabby. Um, And then um, we had a big youth group there uh, called Youth Wave. And I became the youth pastor intern and worked there. So I'd work at the prayer lines for hours. And then I'd go right over into working at the church youth department. Uh, I went to a high school called called Arts Magnet in Dallas. It was a high school for the performing arts. And um, at a young age, actually, I was 14 now when I get to this. This all all happened before 14. Crazy. Um, At 14... I did the summer school of Christ for the Nations Bible College, and the dean of students there told me I was the youngest student in the history of the school, <laughs> which is crazy. And I signed up for an outreach because everyone had to do an outreach, and I didn't realize, but I was signing up for the one that nobody else wanted, which was going to the clubs uh, where everyone partied at night, on the club district in Dallas, and, and motels where everybody went after the club district, and I was going around ministering at Midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. in the morning at motels. Yeah, to prostitutes and jobs and everything. Uh, But, you know, we did it relationally and lovingly, and we were really well-received everywhere we went because we were young. Um, But, you know, I really wanted to join Youth with a Mission, and I had uh, a book all about it. I I prayed about it. I wanted to go so bad, but Mm -hmm. my parents didn't want me to go, so I had to go to normal college, and I was so sad. And I didn't get to go to Y. You made it. Yeah, I eventually made it. <laughs> so yeah, uh, you were a born leader, honestly, growing up. But not me. I was really introverted severely. But I had this encounter with God. Uh, I, I was 18 years old, and the Holy Spirit just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I 
changed my whole trajectory. I knew what I was supposed to do, which is just tell people about Jesus. And so I went out into the streets like like you were doing, and I was ministering to people, leading them to Christ. Uh, I was feeding the homeless. I was even leading gang, gang members to Christ and then taking them to church. And But I really had a passion for punk rockers, young kids with mohawks and stuff, but they wouldn't listen to me. So the Lord told me to start uh, a punk rock band, which at the time was highly suspect as of the devil, but we knew we could use it for God. <laughs> and, did. and we we ministered to so many young people on the streets of Dallas. And, and so the, many kids got saved. We kind of started a home church. It was amazing how yeah. many people we impacted. I guess that was when I was maybe 16 and you were 18 or 19 or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. By then. So yeah, and I, I went away to college in Florida. I studied theology and minored in counseling. And this is the early 1990s by now. Yeah. And I was a youth pastor at a local church uh, by my university. And, uh, but I couldn't stand to be separated from you for that year. You'd write me love notes and yes. in the mail back in the old days. That's right. People used mail. Please email. Yes, that's right. And, uh, and so you at this point, I guess you'd moved to the New York City area to work with your parents with their ministry, right? Yeah, I, I had moved up to the Northeast, the New York City area. And um, because I'm no dummy, I asked you to marry me. And you said, yes, great God. And then uh, we we actually became youth pastors for the next 10 years. Yeah, we started in Queens, New York. Um, and then we thought, you know, New York is not the place for us. No, we, we got out of Dodge. We actually went to Northern California, which was so cool. We were taking our youth group to YWAM camps, taking them on YWAM mission trips. Right, because I didn't get to be a YWAMer, so I just did everything YWAM anyway. Uh, <laughs> and we were there doing ministry for a while. We also started our own nonprofit ministry called Creative Action Ministries and did missions around the world. We were training people in evangelism. Yeah, and you, you, you had a band always, Christian band, doors. band outreach. I, I would teach people uh, in drama and do dra YWAM dramas, yeah. outreach everywhere. And um, then we moved to New Jersey, um, to take a youth pastor job there. And we started a teen club and cafe called U-Turn with a skate park, mini golf, outdoor concert venue, snack diner. It was crazy. We did all kinds. It was fun. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. And, you know, but then 9-11 happened. Yeah. And uh, really everything changed. And my parents were running a ministry to the homeless and outreach to the homeless in New York City at the time. And they asked us to join. And I didn't want to join because at the time we were leading youth ministry for like five or six states in the Northeast for our denomination, helping out with that. And also we're planning on moving to Ireland to start our own missions. Yeah, place. we thought we'd go into missions internationally, but we actually, for the next 18 years, began serving the poor and homeless. Yes, God tricked us. <laughs> uh, but not only did we join that, that ministry, we started a, basically four churches. Uh, for people on the streets called City Tribe Church. And we had homeless people and drug addicts and prostitutes and people in our churches just meeting God. And it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, started a hip-hop church. Because, uh, you know, wherever we were, we tried to do ministry that related. Like you were ministering punk rockers, you started a punk rock band. We are ministering the homeless, we started a homeless church. Um, we noticed a lot of people who were young, um, young black people in the inner city and they needed a church too that they could relate to that was young and hip. So we started a hip hop church. So we were always starting new things, very apostolic. We started East Coast School of Urban Ministry, which was very much like a discipleship training school yep. where we trained people to do outreach and ministry and missions. So that was what we were all about. But it was so hard to leave our youth pastor job to do that because when we were youth pastors, we were so poor. Yeah, we didn't make much money, and we had four kids. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, we had four kids, by the way. They're all wonderful. Love them all. Two girls and two boys. And what happened was we were so, our income was so little, we would go to multiple food banks. Um, people would, felt so sorry for us because we were so poor. They would leave bags of free clothes on our front step, boxes of food for us. We barely, barely survived. And the idea um, of us going and moving to, be um, urban missionaries in New York City was like, that's crazy. We can barely survive now. How are we going to survive as missionaries? There's no way. I was pretty scared. Yeah. I was like, I'm already living on the edge of disaster, serving the Lord, you know. So we were like, no, we are not going to do it. And we <laughs> said no multiple times. No, can't do it because of money, really because right. of money. And then we prayed and God said, I want you to do it. And we had to really take a step of faith. Yeah. 
And we did. And amazingly, uh, we were there 18 years. Uh, I ended up taking over eventually. And this outreach was huge. Up to 12 outreaches a week we were doing mm-hmm. with buses feeding up to 1,000 people a day. Depending con- on the day. Connecting them to resources so they could get off the streets and get their life together. And we had to fundraise for our family of six. Right. And we had no, it. no idea how yeah. to do it. No idea how to do it. And every dollar came through fundraising. We didn't get paid. And then you had to fundraise for the ministry. Right. Well, I became the president and I was like, what am I doing? And so I had to basically raise millions of dollars every year. Started out with a budget of about $800,000. But by the time, about 10 years later, it was like $5 million budget a year. Yeah, it really grew. So expensive to feed and help so many people. Um, And so that's, you know, that's a long story we just told. But it's all leading up to this. We didn't know how to do this right but somehow with god's help and through you know trial and error we learned the hard way but we hope to teach you the easier way yeah because we did learn a few a few things and as missionaries we learned a lot but also during that time i became the lead pastor of a biblically conservative presbyterian church that supported missionaries from around the world so i saw the side of missionary partnership from a church supporting a missionary and what that looks like. So I, I see both sides, which I'll be sharing more about in this training. Mm-hmm. You know, the point of missionary partnership is not just so that we can have more money, you guys. It's not about money. We have never done anything because of money. We yeah. just serve the Lord, right? Um, but you will. After doing this training, if you apply it, you will see more money in your bank account. But that's so that you can tithe more, you can give more, you can help more people. You can serve more. You can serve more, but you can also prioritize your family if you have a family and having a family vacation um, and living in a way that makes it possible to happily stay for the long term in missions so that you're not one of those people that within 10 years, you can't stand the suffering anymore, so you quit. Or your parent, you know, or your kids grow up in missions and, and they resent it because they're so poor and they never have enough. That's not the way to live. Yeah, it's not really actually the heart of God, the father heart of God, which we're going to teach about in the biblical training of what God's heart is for us as missionaries. Um, you know, we're all about changing lives and transforming the world with the love of Jesus. But God has a plan to fund the Great Commission. And we're t- going to teach you directly from the Word of God what that means. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our team, uh, our urban missionary team, we have about 30 missionaries in New York City, and they were fully funded. And I mean, it was expensive to live there. So they had to raise sixty dollars to $100,000 a year to support their kids and their families in a really expensive uh, area. Of course, since then, um, post-COVID, all the expenses oh. have gone up around the world. Yes. And I'm seeing this globally, like food costs, housing costs, everything has like doubled from before COVID, and so we're losing a ton of people who feel called to missions or who have been missions, barely surviving, right? Yeah. And then now post-COVID, they're like, I just can't survive anymore, and so they're quitting. We don't want you to quit. We don't want you to quit. Yes. And so there's a way. God's got plenty of money. He does. Convinced. <laughs> <laughs> and so we believe that, you know, if you're able to thrive spiritually, emotionally, physically, relationally, financially, as a missionary, hundreds of thousands of more lives will be changed if you spend your whole life on mission and not give up. You know, hurting people found, they find God's healing and help through you in your life. And um, it's not about you. It's not about making money. It's about the people you will help over all the years of your life if you don't quit due to poor funding or unnecessary suffering. Yeah, it's not easy. We're not saying that. But it is totally possible. We're living that. And there is a way uh, for you to make it missions. Yeah. And so we have a saying we're going to say throughout this training. And um, the reason for it is to really stick in your heart and mind. Yeah. So get ready. All right. Here we go. Fundraising is hard, but partnership is sweet. Fundraising. Fundraising. Fundraising is hard. But partnership is sweet. 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 So I want to talk about hard candy because we talk about the sweet life of missionary partnership. And so. Yeah. Why do we call it that? Yeah. Well, you know, candy is hard. Right. Um, and it takes a while to eat hard candy. Right. 
Uh, it's sweet, but it's kind of hard to eat. It's not like if you're going to go to something, people get a candy bar. They don't get hard candy, right? It, you have to unwrap it. You have to roll it around in your mouth. Takes a while. It's like it's like partnership development and fundraising. You kind of have to ponder it. Um, relationships that you build take time, just like eating hard candy. It takes time. But those relationships, they're sweet, mm. you know? Um, doing more ministry, impacting more people is sweet. And you're able to do that when you're funded. Um, blessing others financially because you have enough to bless others. Well, that's sweet, too. Um, having your, your you and your family funded, it's sweet. It's it's less stressful, right? Totally. Less stressful <laughs> to not worry about, you know, the bills. Like, that's taken care of so you can focus on the ministry, right? And he's a good, good father. And so hard candy is sweet. So if while you're listening to this podcast, you want to pick up some hard candy and suck on it while you're listening to remember that God is sweet, um, maybe it's hard. But it's sweet. And so that's why we're going to keep saying that throughout that fundraising is hard, but the partnership is sweet, much like hard candy. Yeah. So I want to do a little exercise. So you, the listener, uh, I want you to close your eyes. Yes, I know. Close them up. Unless you're driving a car. Yeah, please don't for driving. Um, close your eyes. And we're going to have a little imagination exercise. I want you right now to imagine all your debt paid. No, no credit card bills. No you know, no bills of any kind. Yeah, nothing weighing on you, debt or whatever, even educational debt paid off, right? And Or even if you want to do more education, I want you to imagine that you can take the classes you want to take to further your education, your understanding of the Bible and your calling and the place that you work. Imagine you have enough in your bank account for three months of of expenses and rent and food, everything you need. You've got a solid uh, savings account. That's so good. I want you to also imagine that maybe wherever you live, I don't know what you need for transportation. It might be a bike. It might be a motorcycle. It might be a nice used car. Could be an SUV to drive around <laughs> off-road. In the jungle. In a country. I don't know where you are listening to this or what you need. But imagine that you have that mode of transportation mm -hmm. and it's no problem. You just are able to take it to get to where you need to go and do what you need to do. Imagine people want to get married. And you have all everything you need for the wedding and to get started in life, even to maybe even start having kids. Like yeah. you're ready to go. Yeah. That's a good feeling. It's 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 totally a load off your mind. Um, I want you to also imagine this. Imagine, and I know you're gonna think this is crazy, but you're funded for outreach or your missions trip that you take every year. Like maybe you you serve a mission, but you take special trips to certain locations. Mm -hmm but that it's fully funded. So you're able just to go online, buy that plane ticket. Yep. You're able to go and do the work overseas that you do, and you don't have to fundraise for the trip because it's already in your monthly income. Yeah. Imagine you have comfortable housing that, that you're not just annoyed every day. You're really comfy and you're like, ah, I'm home. Yeah, a place to rest after a hard day's work, a sofa, a chair, a comfortable bed, yes. a comfortable pillow. Why not? Yeah, why not? Why not have a place to live that you're comfortable? Um, also, I want you to imagine that you go out to eat even once a week, either a date with mm -hmm. a potential partner yeah. or your friends. friends or your husband or your wife or one of your kids that you could take them out to eat once a week and go out a little bit. Imagine having enough to bless others that someone's going on a mission trip where they have a special project and you're like, ah, oh, I want to give to that, helping to build that new orphanage or sending that person, that young person, you know, to Africa or South America or wherever God is calling them. And you're able to give. Yeah. Isn't that fun? That's the best part. Like I love it. that. Imagine that in your tithe, you can either tithe to your church or give to other missionaries and that you're able to easily tithe your 10%, which God talks about in the word. Imagine that you have medical insurance. If you get sick, you can go to the doctor. You can buy medicine. You can have what you need without sweating it. Or pay your medical bills yes. off. Exactly. Right. Imagine that you're able to visit your family. I don't know if your family lives in another country or if they live down the street, but let's just say they live in another, another country. You're able to go visit them once a year and stay for a little while. Yep. That you're able to see them because I think that... It's a healthy routine. Yeah, it's healthy. Yeah. And uh, another big one is vacation. Imagine... 
you can just get away and really recharge and refresh so you can come back ready to go. Yep. That's right. We need breaks, so we need rest, so yeah. we can make it for the long term. If you want to be a missionary for two years, don't take a vacation. Okay. You might even make it three. Yeah. But if you're not taking rest and vacation, it's hard to be long term. Yeah, we have to live a healthy life. So open your eyes now if you actually close them during the whole time. Yeah. Um, let's come back to the real world. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, because, you know, the truth is we have a good, good Father in heaven who wants to take good care of us and others. Yep. Just like you want to take good care of people, God wants to take good care of you. Yeah, just like we have four kids. Mm -hmm. And I mean, our number one priority as they were growing up, now they're all grown mm -hmm. out of the house, but we wanted to give them a good life. We wanted to take care of them. And it was a blessing to us. We loved blessing. Right. We loved giving them gifts at Christmas making sure they have the clothes they need. If they love soccer, they have a soccer ball and or cleats or whatever they need to be happy. We love doing that for them. And that's the way God feels about you. He loves taking care of you and giving you the desires of your heart. And we know you're a missionary. Your heart is to serve people and love people and serve, serve, serve. Let me tell you a story. Our oldest daughter, she is pretty amazing. And she would... Uh, she loved the Lord so much, still does. But when she was a girl, I always say she loved the Lord more than Juan and I combined because she would pray and read her Bible. She used to lead worship at International House of Prayer when she was like 13, 14, 15 years old. Yeah. So anyway, one day I, I'm, I, I have some clothes. I'm going down from the laundry and to put something away in her drawer. And I open up her drawer in her room and her drawer is empty. And I'm like, huh, where are her clothes? Right. <laughs> so then I open the next drawer, empty, next drawer, empty. What is going on? So then I look in her closet, hangers. There's like one little outfit hanging on the end of the closet. And so I yell upstairs to her, I'm like, where are, where are your clothes? She goes, oh, I gave them away to the poor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? You gave like all your clothes, all of them? She's like, I saved two outfits. I can just rotate them and mix them for the week at school. And I was like, I was like, what about winter? You know, we live in the New York area. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. You, know, you gave one all your sweaters and your coats. She's like, oh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> but she, you know, I understand you as a missionary who's listening, you have a heart to give to the poor, to love. Yes. And you just You're give a giver. It, you give it all away to where you have nothing left for yourself. But me as her mom and you as her dad, we want her to have clothes. Clothes to wear to school, clothes to wear to church, clothes to wear to play, and clothes to look nice for when it's a dress up time. We want her to have shoes, you know, and God wants you to have what you need because he loves you and i know you you're a missionary you're like oh i don't need it i don't need it i can go without i don't need anything but Clut says you know what i have so many good gifts for you right and you know this happened also with the same child when it came to summer camp it was summer camp time and i'm like okay let's pack up for summer camp let's buy you a sleeping bag you need all you have is this little Winnie the Pooh children's sleeping bag. It's like three, three feet long, and you're now pretty tall. Right. Let's get you a good sleeping bag. And she's like, oh, I don't need it. I'll just use my Pooh Bear sleeping bag. And I'm like. I'll just ball up my tall yeah, body in this little thing. Squeeze into it and, and sleep like a ball. And I'm like, oh, please, let me buy you a sleeping bag. I, I, I have the money. I, I can get it for you. Right. And I also don't want her counselor to think she's abused like her parents didn't even <laughs> buy her a sleeping bag. And so then she's like, no, no, I don't need it. And then I was like, I was like, then I was packing with her and I'm trying to put a pillow in her. Oh, don't pack a pillow. What do you mean? Don't pack a pillow. You're going to be gone for two weeks. You need a pillow. And she's like, I don't need it. I'll just pack a pillowcase and stuff it full of my clothes. Right. Right. And I'll use that for a pillowcase, my dirty clothes or something. And I was like, oh, God. I was like, please, we have 15 pillows in our house. Please take a pillow. No, I don't need it. I, it's like, it's like, <laughs> can you imagine God wanting to bless his, his precious kids that he's sending out to the nations to be missionaries? And they're like, 
I'll just live with nothing. And then they run out of steam and get worn out and burned out. And guys, we can't have any more burned out missionaries. Oh, yes. You know, how long can you suffer? Yes. You just need the basics, right? It's just the basics. So, you know, I don't know if you know this, but did you know nowhere in scripture is poverty encouraged or admired? Does it make you more holy? Now, I want to say this twice, and I want everyone to listen really carefully. Nowhere in Scripture is poverty encouraged or admired. Most often, it's spoken of as a result of, listen to this, number one, bad management. Number two, bad luck. Number three, laziness. Number four, a generational curse. Number five, wicked oppression. So when it's talking about poverty in the Bible, it's talking about bad management, bad luck, laziness, generational curse, or wicked oppression. You know That doesn't sound like God to me. No, it's not God. And somehow as missionaries, we have gotten this mentality that it's spiritual and holy, but it is not, that is not scriptural. We need to be delivered. Let me say it again. Delivered from a poverty mindset to walk in all God has called us to. If you know, we want to use excellent stewardship of his calling and his resources in our lives. You know, partnership development is not contrary to faith. Ooh. It is faith in action with friends. I, I love that. Partnership development is not contrary to faith. It's faith in action with friends. That's a home run right there. Um, well, I want to, that's so good, honey. And I, I want to talk a little bit about a YWAM core value. Um, maybe you're not a part of Youth of the Mission. Maybe you are, but this is a good one. And it really applies to every missionary. It does. Okay. And for us, it's value number 16. And by the way, this is from the book, uh, Values Matter by one of our founders, Darlene Cunningham. Oh, yeah, yeah. Practice Dependence on God, Value 16. YWAM is a volunteer movement called to practice a life of dependence upon God for financial provision. For individuals and for any YWAM team or community, this comes primarily through His people. This comes primarily through His people. Not out of the sky. <laughs> Not Wow, how did that Interboy bank account it miraculously appeared? That was a $100 bill that just blew by in the wind at the beach. I'm going to grab it. Yeah, no. it happens through the team, it, the body. Yeah, through his people, yes. helping one another. Right, exactly. So the million-dollar question, though, is how? Right. How do we do That's it? why you're listening to this podcast. You yeah. Now, yeah. how do we do it? And it's not easy because... Fundraising. Fundraising. Fundraising is hard. But partnership is sweet. 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 All right. So we want to dive right in to part one here. Get the right attitude. Uh, in YWIM, we have this thing called the belief tree. Uh, maybe you've seen it before. I'm going to describe it to you. The belief tree is kind of a chain of events, okay? Well, let me explain it to you. The soil where a tree is planted, that soil is our worldview. How we believe the world came into being and who's in charge and who sets it in motion. Now, the roots we have in the, our worldview are our beliefs. So our beliefs are rooted in our worldview. And then, of course, out of our beliefs, that's how we form the trunk of the tree or the values, right? And... Out of that trunk, our branches, out of our values, we make decisions. This is how we lead our life. And the end fruit is our actions. So our worldview, soil, creates our beliefs, which are our roots, mm -hmm. which create our values, which is the trunk. Yep. And our values create our decisions, which are the branches, and then our actions are the fruit. Right. Now, why do we run through that mental picture? Well... I want to ask you very specifically right now, what are your uh, beliefs and values and decisions and actions 
around the idea of finances mm -hmm. and building a partnership team, what are they rooted in? What are the feelings that get stirred up when you think about it? Okay. And where are they coming from? Because they're all rooted somewhere, right? They're all going back somewhere. We were not shaped by accident. So are your feelings and beliefs about it, are they rooted in your family of origin culture? Like the family you grew up in? How do they feel about finances? Are they always complaining about it? Are they negative? Uh, are they negative about fundraising? Then maybe you feel negative. Yeah, or maybe it's rooted in your church you come from or the denomination you come from. Yeah, so that, don't believe in building a partnership team for mission. Right, or maybe your church doesn't even have missionaries. And so your church culture, you're just not familiar with it. Right, could be confusing. Or maybe the country you're from, maybe that culture has some negative feelings or connotations around money and fundraising or missionary partnership. Uh -huh. So maybe you're feeling like, oh, in my culture, right, I, I just... I get stirred up in so many negative ways. Or what about what the Bible has to say? What about kingdom culture? That's what we're, that's what this whole podcast is about, rooting into the truth. Because if you falsely believe missionaries are supposed to be poor and suffer, well, guess what? Your actions, your values are going to come out of that belief. Your decisions. Yeah, not yeah. all going to come out of that. Right? So if you, and, or if you falsely believe that building a partnership team is unbiblical, or it's begging, well, then your life's going to bear the fruit of that, which is poverty. And I've met enough poor missionaries that I know that is not a good thing. So your attitude uh, is going to determine your altitude when it comes to being empowered to reach the nations. So let's get our heads screwed on straight and uh, let's talk about um, what this looks like. In fact, we're going to introduce a friend from actually Cameroon, Africa. And his name is Emmanuel Camden. He's going to share his story. Hello, everyone. My name is Emmanuel, and I work with a white one based in Yaoundé, Cameroon a country right in the middle of Africa. I joined YWAM a few years back when God told me to do a DTS and to work as a full-time missionary. I come from a family of four. I'm the last born and the only boy, so the expectation was great concerning my education and my professional life. I have a master's degree, and before joining YWAM, I was working as national accountant for my church organization. Being a missionary with Y1 was a big challenge for me because I had to go from a position of having a good salary to a position where I had to start to fundraise to support myself and my family. As the first generation of Christian in my family, I have to overcome many obstacles. Asking for money is very sensitive uh, you feel like begging and putting shame on your family. So uh, to better understand how it works, I started looking for information and trends. God led me to the book of Lauren, Dairy to Live in the Age, and I discovered Terry Sherman training on relational fundraising. Those materials helped me a lot to start my journey. After my DTS in Uganda, I wrote some invitation letters and I went person to person to invite my home church, some family members, some friends, some church members, and other people I had ministered to in the past. I, ha I was led by the Holy Spirit in that process of inviting people to be part of my supporting team in a country where people are often poor and struggling a lot to meet their needs. So, some were just asking me, why are you not working in my ear? So, I had to, I had to explain that mission is, is, is work. I remember also that conversation with my pastor, or where he told me, Emmanuel, look, raising funds is an American principle that doesn't work in Africa. So, I had to challenge my pastor, and I told him, yes, if it's an American principle, it will not work here, of course. 
But if it's a biblical principle, it can work in every country. Today, my wife and I, and I, we are fully funded. All of our monthly donors are Cameroonians, except one German friend. And last year, God led us to start a new ministry. And now we are running a leadership training center in town uh, where we disciple people in the workplace. And we have to, to raise now 10 times our family budget for the ministry needs. And we are doing that. I really want to encourage you. For me, the key point was the paradigm shift. Once my mindset changed about money, I found it easier to challenge others joining me. Today, I know many of my fellow Cameroonian missionaries, Wawamas, or other African Wawamas who are struggling a lot with their finances. I'm trying to encourage them with my story and also sharing the teaching materials I have. And I really believe you can do it, no matter where you come from, no matter what is your culture, you can believe the biblical principle and you can teach the kingdom culture to your people. I really want to encourage you to go by faith and to trust God. May God bless you in that journey of raising funds for ministry. Bye. That was so good. You know, Emmanuel, in his country, he faced a lot of obstacles, even his own pastor. Yes, and that'll happen, even your own pastor. Ah, what a bummer, because you think, if anybody's going to be on my side as a missionary, I know. it's going to be my pastor. He's I my know. spiritual leader. It's crazy. But in his culture, yeah, you know, um, that's where his pastor was at. That's wh That was his life experience. True. And he said, oh, that's just an American thing. It only works in America. Uh -huh. But I love Emmanuel's response. Well, if it's American, you're right. It won't work in Africa. But if it's biblical then it's going to work anywhere. That's right. And Emmanuel, uh, he trusted the Lord. He followed the word. He built a solid partnership team. And I think my favorite part is almost every one of his teammates who are funding him to reach the world of the gospel are Cameroonians. They're African. Yes. I love that. That's so good. Also, I thought it was so good how he raised for his own family. And then once he was able to do that, he was able to actually fundraise for the whole missions campus so that his whole team and everybody could grow and succeed and do more. Yeah, they're training leaders in the community at 10 times what his family needed. He had to raise on top of that. Because really, it's all about building your faith. It starts low. I only have a little bit of faith, so I only raise a little bit. Right. But then your faith is built. And you're like, well, oh, I have faith to raise a little more, and a little more, and a little more. And it grows because with God, there is no limit. Yeah, and I think you build your communication skills. You build your ability to share the vision and the heart of God and explain why why do people want to get on board with this? Right. So we're all going to grow as we listen to this podcast. Yeah, great story from Africa. Love it. So what we're going to do now is I want you to think for a minute. I'm going to do an, an attitude survey with all the people listening right now. And I want to ask you, who's listening right now? Yes, you. Which best represents your attitude right now? Because we want to talk about our attitude. If our attitude's not right, we're not going to do it. Or if we do it, we're going to do a bad job. And, or we're going to quit too soon. So we want to make sure our attitude is right. So You're all going to compare this to candy because there's different tastes of candy when you put it in your mouth. And they, 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 it shows on your face, right? Your attitude oh, when you taste it. Yeah, that's right. If you if you give a baby baby food and it tastes they taste something sour they're like you know and so we're gonna compare this to hard candy yeah and so the first attitude I want you to be honest with yourself because honestly we feel all of these things we have yeah so don't feel terrible don't feel if bad. I have a bad attitude because we've had that too yeah so let's start with the worst of the worst okay the worst one is gross it's a gross candy called a fireball. It's like cinnamon, hot, spicy. And when you put it in your mouth, it's like, ugh. Yeah. And it takes forever to eat. They're big and they're red and they're hot like fire, like fireball from hell. And I call it like... They're disgusting. Yeah. Bad attitude. So do you hate the idea of asking people for money? 
does it repulse you or make you want to throw up? Okay. So that's like the worst of the worst. Yes. Okay. All right. So, or maybe your attitude is one step better than that one. And it's more of like a sour candy, you know, like uh, airheads or some kind of sour candy. Right. You know, you put it in your mouth, you're like, ooh, that's sour. Uh, feels uncomfortable. Uh, doesn't repulse you, but it feels and tastes bad, kind of different. You're not used to it. <laughs> not used to this. It's kind of weird. I, I don't like it very much. Uh, and, and maybe your attitude is not a fireball from hell, but maybe it's like a sour candy. Right, right. Or maybe it's more like chewing gum. It's kind of bland. You know, I mean, especially after you chew it for five minutes, the, the flavor is pretty much gone. So maybe the way you feel about building a partnership team financially is you don't feel positive or negative about it. Um you know, you can take it or leave it. It's like, oh, if it's part of the job, uh, I'll do it. You know, chew, chew, chew. Yeah. Okay. So, so y- there's either the fireball from hell, gross. There's the sour, like uh, uncomfortable. Number three is more like bland, like gum, like chew, 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 neutral. neutral. I'll just do it. Whatever. I don't have any emotions. No emotions. <laughs> <laughs> or um, is is it sweet? Like yes. a, like a gourmet mm-hmm. hard candy. Like one of those candies that have rosemary and uh, cantaloupe, you know, in that and the lollipop. What is this? Yeah, like some gourmet hard candy. Like, oh, very nice. Um, it's noble to to have a partnership team. Uh, it's honorable to be able to get a team of people around you to send you in missions. That you're excited to invite others and involve others in the calling of God. And that as you extend yourself to them and explain the kingdom of God, and explain the mission, it's like you love that because you're excited to have people join you on mission. If not in person, then financially or prayerfully. And so you have this positive attitude like, let's go, let's do it. I'm all in. And that would be like a sweet gourmet hard candy. Yeah, and, and as we train people around the world and we ask them to raise their hands after describing these attitudes, we've got everybody, right? But mostly people are definitely on the sour candy or fireball from hell. Like that, we get a lot of hands on It's those. uncomfortable to them. And they're like, gosh, I wish I didn't feel this way, but I yeah. hate this idea or I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, and I would love to move you to where you are just honored and excited and can't wait. But even if we can get you one level up, you know, maybe you go from fireball, pit of hell to, oh, it's a little uncomfortable. Um, or maybe you go from it's a little uncomfortable to where I can do this, I'll just do it. Or maybe you go to, I can do this, just do it to being really excited. We want to move you. Like God is going to use me, you know, in this process yeah. to bring others on this God journey that I'm taking. So say out loud right now to yourself, wherever you are, what kind of candy you are and realize where you're at. Because I think that's the the great starting point is to realize the this is where I'm at right now. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. So, and here's what I want to tell you. No guilt, okay? Don't feel bad if your attitude is suffering because we have felt all these sometimes in the same week. <laughs> that's true. Uh, ups and downs, right? Uh, but the first step to adjusting your attitude is understanding where you're at. Definitely. Okay, so share that with somebody, <laughs> you know? Tell them, like, this is the way I'm feeling. Pray for me. This is where I'm at. Yeah, you know, the vast major- majority um, of missionaries, they need partners to listen to this. Send them. Yeah. They need people to send them. Like, we're always saying, let's go, let's go. I'm going to go. But who is sending you? Yeah. Being a missionary is being a person who is sent by others. Um, partnership development, fundraising, this is ministry. This is not what you have to do to minister. This yes. actually is part of being a missionary. Yeah, that's that's so good. And honestly, that's the only way I can do it. If I feel like this is part of God's call in my life is to involve other people, to be a blessing to them, not to take from them, actually to enrich their lives by asking them to join my team so that they'll get closer to the Lord. Now, adjusting your attitude is not easy. It's hard, right? Because we want to remember... Fundraising. Fundraising. Fundraising is hard. But partnership is sweet. 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 All right. Let's talk about Monday. <laughs> yeah. Missionaries don't talk much about money. We're we're not motivated really by money. Otherwise, we wouldn't be missionaries. We're not big money people. I mean, you used to be a Christian punk rocker. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're just 
But we've had to try to be healthy in all the areas of our life, and that includes our financial area. I'm sure he didn't become a missionary to get rich, okay? No. Uh, but let's let's talk about this. A lot of missionaries look at money almost like it's the devil. Like, ooh, you know, it's like a necessary evil. Oh, that's not a biblical view of money. Scripture is clear that money is not the root of all evil, right? We know that the love of money is the root of all evil. So if you have a problem with loving money, yeah, deal with the Lord with that. Repent. But don't think that just because you have to deal with money, it's somehow wrong. Money in itself is just neutral. It's a tool that can be used for good or evil. But God is calling us, obviously, to use money for good. I think it's the best good there is, right? The Great Commission. Yeah. Uh, But I think missionaries shy away from money matters because maybe you're like me. You're not a a numbers guy. I don't like looking at spreadsheets or I don't like balancing my checkbook. I think I made an F in math. It's not fun. Okay, we're artsy people, creative. or maybe for you, it's because it doesn't feel spiritual and exciting, like other topics like worship and the word and evangelism. Um, it just doesn't seem godly. Or maybe you just look at money and you're like, well, that's materialistic. We shouldn't even talk about it. That's worldly. We shouldn't have to deal with that. Uh, or it just feels scary and confusing. You know? Right. That, yeah, those are all reasons missionaries shy away from money matters. But we're going to just step right into it because... We're not afraid. You're, yeah, we're not afraid of anything. Yeah, I mean, here's the deal. Get this. Jesus spoke about money more than almost any other topic. This is crazy, but he spoke about it more than heaven and hell. Uh, In fact, two-thirds of the parables deal with money. Two-thirds. That's a lot of parables dealing with money. Now, those parables, granted, were not just about money, but it was a strong character in the story because he knew that where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. And so by using that analogy, he was getting to the heart of people, but he wasn't afraid to talk about it. That's for sure. And we're going to do lots of talking about it on this podcast. (laughs) Why not? So we have a quote from the founder of Youth with a Mission, Lauren Cunningham. The man. Let's go. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lauren Cunningham in Daring to Live on the Edge, The Adventure of Faith and Finances, his book, um, said this. He said, because money is important in our lives, God's word devotes much space to it. In fact, there are 3,225 references to financial matters in the Bible. That is a lot. Okay. So uh, because of this, and I think he makes a great point, we've got to remove the stigma that's in us because of our culture or background or whatever, our family, and take away the shame around money matters. We've got to reclaim it for the gospel. Uh, We have to disassociate it from just greed. Um, You know, Jesus himself, remember he taught us to pray for our daily bread? He actually cares about our physical needs, our material needs. And he told us to pray about them. Hello? Um, and it's just like we cared about our daughter's needs, you know, to have clothes and things like that. God cares about us too. He doesn't want us to have a poverty mentality and needlessly suffer. So building a financial partnership team, it's not something we have to do. It's something we get to do and we're called to do. All right. I want to talk about this in kind of a vertical and horizontal strategy. Kind of like a cross. Yeah. Right? Um, no, in YWAM, we have a way, we have a motto, which is to know God, and that's vertical, right? God is our provider. But then there's this horizontal reality to make him known. Mm. So we're going to know God vertically, we're going to make him known horizontally. Well, let's put this in terms of finances, right? We're going to ask God vertically. God is our provider, right? Not people, but we're going to ask people. We're going to connect with those he has put in our lives, as we talked about with that value. That's kind of how it works. And then we're going to put our faith in God. Our eyes are on him. But we're also going to do 
put our faith into action on earth, which is horizontal. Faith without works is dead. Well, I don't want to be dead. So I'm going to put my faith into action on earth. And here's the cool thing. When we reach out horizontally to people to recruit them to join our team and say, let's accomplish this together, we actually connect them vertically to the Lord. They get closer to heaven. They get closer to Jesus. And their life gets every, the closer you get to Jesus, the better your life gets. So true. And, you know, we did talk about this earlier, how there was a study done on missionaries from the U.S. And it said that, you know, 6.5% of missionaries leave the field every year. And while this seems like a low number, it does equate roughly to half of all missionaries leaving within their first 10 years of service. Guys, we're losing too many missionaries from the field due to stupid finances. Come on. But there's a biblical answer to this dilemma. And we're, we're going to give you the tools uh, to conquer this in this training. And it can be hard because remember, fundraising. Fundraising. Fundraising is hard. But partnership is sweet. Sweet, sweet. Okay, I know you mentioned this earlier, but I want to put a burst to it. Romans 10, 13 through 15. I think you're familiar with this, the listener. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And this is the clincher. How can anyone preach unless they are sent? Sent. Good. So someone has to send you to preach the gospel. Yeah. Your part is to go. Right. And the team's job is to send you by providing the resources that make going actually possible. Yeah. So meditate on that Romans verse. Uh, if you're going to go, you actually can't go just just on a whim by yourself. You have to be sent to make it for the long haul. Yeah. Um, you know, John the Apostle uh, urged the early church to support missionaries, actually. And, and this is where we're going to get into a th- little bit of theology, which is mostly in part two. But I want to drop this on you because we have to buy in now. Third John chapter one, six through eight and verse 12 it says this. They have testified before the church of your love and friendship. You will do well to forward them on their journey in a way worthy of God's service. For these, and he's talking about traveling missionaries, have gone out for his name's sake and are accepting nothing from the Gentiles. That means like the heathen, the non-Israelites. So we ourselves ought to support such people, okay? That means to welcome and provide for them in order that we may be fellow workers in the truth. So what this is saying is, is Paul's telling the Christians that they need to support people who are going into missions so that the people who are not going into missions and staying back and working are fellow workers in the truth. They're partners. Yeah. They're going to do it together. This is the biblical way to send missionaries is to have partners. Now, here's the crazy thing. I've never heard this preached in a message in church my entire life, and I'm a preacher. Oh, it's so true. I never have either. You're right. Think of the hundreds, maybe thousands of services we sat through. No one's ever t- taught us that we're supposed to support missionaries and send them and send them. And that when we do, we're fellow workers. Like we're actually part of the work yes. when we support and send them. Like we kind of know it, but I'm not hearing it preached. But that's the Bible, right? Yeah. This, so good. Yeah. It's like for th- third John chapter one, verses six through eight. That, I think that's the amplified version. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the amplified. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's basically, it's like if you have a friend going on a trip uh-huh. and you notice they just don't have enough stuff uh-huh. to go. And you're like, whoa, you're going to be camping. You're going to be roughing it. You're going to need some supplies. And you have like a whole basement full of like camping stuff. Like you have a tent, you have a flashlight, you have uh, a little a thing for the fire to, to cook on. And you're like, here, let me give you some of this stuff if you're going camping. And the person's like, oh, I was just going to go with my uh, pillowcase and put my dirty clothes in it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But, you know, it's it's the job of the person that has the supplies to give to the person who doesn't have the supplies to get the work done or get the experience. Yeah, of it. exactly. So it, it, it's a team effort. 
All right, so we're going to share another excellent quote from one of our founders, Darlene Cunningham. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Darlene Cunningham and Values Matter, Stories of the Beliefs and Values that Shaped Youth with a Mission, great book, by the way, she says, This relationship-based approach to support allows anyone from anywhere to obey Jesus' call to go, funded through their own network of relationships rather than a centralized organizational fund. This relational approach links family and friends of Weinweber's together as active partners in God's work. These partnerships between goers and givers are how God designed us to function as a movement. We cannot go without those who are willing to partner with us. Our victories are their victories. Our challenges become theirs. In Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Those who give to us also pray for us, and their prayers, combined with their sacrificial giving and financial support, are powerful. This living by faith dependence reinforces relationships and makes us accountable to those who give toward our ministry. We reciprocate their generosity through praying for them and their needs, reporting back to them about the ministry and often connecting them to teaching and other ministry resources. So this is saying that the way God designed this is not just for them to, you know, feel like they're involved, but we also were able to give back to them by praying for them, praying for their needs, reporting to them, um, connecting to them. And I think so many missionaries, sometimes someone gives financially and we don't send a thank you. We're not reporting back. They don't know what's going on. And so they don't continue giving. But if we do a good job and we're going to teach you how to do an excellent job with your partners and you actually love on them and minister to them and keep them involved, how you could have a partner for life. Yeah, that's so good. I I was literally just praying for some of our partners today. And I was just like, ah, I was praying for their marriage. I was praying for their family. I was praying for their job, their challenges they're going through in life because I feel like Hey, we're a team. Yeah. Or if we need help, sometimes we're on the field, we get sick or something happens or we're in crisis and we're able to reach out to our partners and they pray for us. So it's like a safety net, this whole thing. Yeah. So we're going to wrap up this podcast. This is kind of an intro first one. We're just whetting your appetite, people. Yeah. And we're going to go into this next Um, episode talking about the sour lies about partnership development, how Satan keeps us in bondage, believing lies. So many. And we make, we actually take action on these lies. We swallow those lies. Yeah. Lies from the devil that we believe, we swallow. It's like roots that are just lies. And it actually just causes so much pain and suffering in our lives and our family's life and our kids' lives. And we're going to identify those lies. Yes. We're going to uproot them. Expose them. Yeah. Get rid of them yes. and have deliverance. So that way our attitude can be fresh and good. And even better, we're going to replace every lie with a sweet truth. Yes. And that thing, that thing is going to bear good fruit. That truth is going to get us where we want to go rather than one step forward, two steps back. And in that, you will have the sweet life of missionary partnership. Oh.